0: Hello. Hi. Welcome Good. to <laughs> Welcome to episode 10 of Gaia and Sarah save the World. It's Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> um so on today's episode, we are answering questions from yes. you guys. Um we thought it would be really cool to do an episode where we put out like an opportunity for people to ask us questions about maybe topics that they want more information on or Mm -hmm. anything that maybe we didn't cover so we're literally just answering questions yes i'm gonna let her in here also my dog also marnie wants to answer questions Um, Okay, so before we start answering questions, Um, shout out to Bexabelle and Taylor for making this amazing cider that we have made super extra for the show now. Yes. Um, (laughs) Cheers to 10 episodes. And fucking Halloween. Yes. And all of you guys for supporting our show. Cheers. Now we're going to drink out of straws out of, like, wine glasses. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I smashed my tooth. (laughs) It's so good. I want to tug it. Oh my god. It's so good. I honestly, well, I just drink half of it. It's so fucking good. And vegan whipped cream, like, this is like, what world are we living in? It's just I know. so good. Yep. Okay. That's perfect. Okay, so, so should we dive into questions? I, we should. Ultimately, how do you think we can make things equal and fair? Uh, dismantle the patriarchy, step one. That's, that's definitely step <laughs> one. Um, I think that's a really complicated um, process. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think there's even, like, one answer to that. And I don't necessarily think there's, like, a right way to go about anything. No. I think that we're all just kind of making guesses at this point. But I think that it's looking at where the inequality lies within our... I don't know, like, our whole society yeah. in tackling that. Because when you, like, revoke, like, privilege and stuff like that and start to, like, look at things on an equal plane, then you can see, okay, well, how drastically different is that from our reality? Right. What needs to change? And then I guess, like, the hardest question, I think, with, like, activism is, like, what can people do to actually... Right, know, how can you have an actual impact? Because you definitely, like, should live... Your best life and like make day-to-day yes. good decisions with empathy and compassion for people around you but how do you contribute to this bigger change that's a really complicated question and i think it depends on which issues you feel the most tied to and pulled to and, and maybe try to connect with Two or three of those. Yes. And put your time, effort, and if possible, financial resources towards that. And unfortunately, so much of our life is dictated by our government. So once you know what your three causes are and you have put the time in to get educated on yeah. them, then you can start looking at how the certain candidates that are running, like, right. how they feel about those issues, yeah. too. Because the thing about, like, where we're at, at least right now in the United States, it should be... So just obvious that with our next election, every single person that can vote needs That's to be voting. What I was going to say is, I would say step one is, if you are able to vote, vote. Vote. Like, vote. Make a vote. Because, yeah. and especially if you're like in a person, in a person, in yeah. like a place of privilege, like white men, <clears throat> um, mm-hmm. you need to be voting about things that matter outside of you. Right. Like women Minorities, you know, people of color, transgender, whatever. Right. Like these people whose lives are never at like where yours is at. You have the power to actually make things right. better for them. So it's important to step outside of yourself, educate yourself, so that you can make better decisions to affect everyone else. Yep. Um, I think we need reform on a lot of levels, in a lot of ways, in all different capacities, and uh, we're on the way. I think we are making progress, even though I think this last (sighs) election, you know, since 2016, it's been really easy to feel like we're going backwards, and in a lot of ways, I have a hard time feeling like we aren't going backwards, Mm -hmm. Um, but we just have to keep working towards it. Yes. It was kind of vague, but...
1: So I think being. the steps
0: were, pick your three causes, get super fucking educated on them, and then check out political parties, how you can find out about each candidate yes. so you can vote. Yes. Yep. Where do you see yourselves in 10 years? Oh, that's so hard for me. That's uh, hard for me too. Yeah. Um, I have a five-year plan, but I don't really have a 10-year plan. I don't know how to answer that question only because, like, looking at, like, what my life has been, uh-huh. I have decided to go on a lot of different paths, like, every couple years. So, I kind of feel like with me, it's impossible to tell. I feel like 10 years is so long that a lot yeah. of the things I have in my life right now could be gone, like... Yeah, you, know? you never know what can be different. Yeah. I think, like, at least on a vague level... Hopefully, you know, still art-related for mm-hmm. me. Um, I don't really know about anything else because it really just depends. Yeah, I mean, I see myself being, you know, more, more well-traveled than I am now. Yes. Um, you know, I, I think I will still be involved in fitness and involved in uh-huh. community-driven fields and helping people um you know I'm, I'm pretty focused on that in my daily life and i don't think that's going to go away but yeah i like i have some five-year goals but i don't really have 10 year goals actually i mean even down to where we live we talk about changing that all the uh-huh. time yeah so. yeah yep so tv day. not <laughs> sure <laughs> worst time you got your period Oh god i want to be like every single time but yeah. i know that's I don't know. Um, lots of vacations. I tend Ugh. to always get my period when I travel, even if it's way out of my cycle. And it'll be like, you've landed from your flight. Guess what? You know, that yeah. that's a lot. I'm trying to think of a specific time. I think there were worse ones when I was younger because... Pro tip, I use a Diva Cup, and I don't really have a lot of period issues anymore because of that. I still haven't found one that feels right for me. The one I'm using now is the Flex one. I don't know which one I use. So it's actually not a Diva Cup, but um, it's, like, black, and I like that. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I know. (laughs) Um, I'm trying to think if I have any, like, crazy period stories. I mean, I used to do go-go dancing. Um like a couple times a month I think where I was basically just in my underwear yeah so probably like any of those times yeah. just being like what's gonna happen is it gonna be like a volcano like going down right. my leg right like- yeah I think of a lot of times like <laughs> mid-workout like I'm running and there's like a distance goal or whatever and I can't stop and I'm like All right. Um, (laughs) Wait, I've gotten my period in the middle of having sex. Oh my god! Oh, okay. (laughs) Guess that's (laughs) happening. Sorry, (laughs) not really. Yeah. (laughs) Are you afraid of getting older? The idea of death—it freaks me out a lot. I actually um, feel like my relationship with a fear of my own mortality has changed recently. Like I used to be pretty. Mm, not extreme but pretty much an adrenaline junkie like I love being up high and like roller coasters uh-huh. and stuff like that and now I'm afraid of all of that stuff you know I've actually heard that that can happen like people that participate in like dangerous behavior uh-huh. and like, barriers and switch into the opposite when they get further. oh yeah I we went hiking in Iceland and I was like so pumped to climb up this mountain and we got really close to the top and I just couldn't finish like I was petrified And when I was, like, 20, like, 10 years ago, I would have been, like, hell yeah. I would have, like, run Uh up it, you know? I'm so afraid of that. Um, As far as getting older, so far, I love getting older. (laughs) Yeah. That's the weird thing is, like, especially for women, uh, Mm -hmm. society makes you, like, fear getting older because your value supposedly shrinks because it's so tied to your appearance and your patriarchy and all that stuff. But... (laughs) Honestly, like, the second half... I've said this, I think, on a previous episode, but on the second half of 29, this weird wave of calm came over me. Yep. Where, like, I just kind of almost, like, settled into myself, and I was just like... And I've heard that's uh, even deeper, like, in your 40s. I've heard that, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I don't think getting older really freaks me out about just the number, but I think, like, potential health issues down the line, especially yeah. when you look at, like, your genetics and, like, what you're predisposed mm-hmm. to, like, um, like, dementia and stuff is, like, yeah. really prevalent in my family. Ugh. So, I mean, I do a lot of things that can help with that, but I'm always scared, like, am I going to be like the the woman from the notebook that can't remember anything of her life oh that'd be so scary so yep that's a fear yeah i, I guess i'm afraid of very old age because yeah. i'm afraid of not being able-bodied and it's, stuff like that it's about not being in control mm-hmm. for me because that's like the scariest thing in the world yeah very scary um uh, oh this one What's the first thing you notice about a person? I don't have a default first thing. Um, I think, like, their mannerisms. Yeah. Like, like the weird things that make them them in their movements, if that makes sense, or maybe the way that they stress certain words. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't think I notice, like, if something stands out about their mannerisms, I'll definitely notice that first. Uh, but I don't think I have, like, a... I always look in people's eyes right away. Like, I don't really have a thing like that. I'm, like, really uncomfortable making solid eye contact me with too. people when I first meet them. So, yeah. I don't know. No. Um, I think height, because I'm so short. Oh, yeah. And that stands out to me a lot. Mm. I don't know. Well, also, I can, like... like Pick up on people's energy, yeah, very, very, very very fast. I guess what keeps coming to mind is like when creepy people come around, and I'm like, Well, I notice when they're creepy (laughs) and when they're not, (laughs) yeah. I've had instances where, like, people that I met only for like 10 minutes, like, I immediately got a whole read on like their energy and I couldn't explain it, and I was just like, Nope, no." no to that person, and almost every single time, like. As time goes on, it's proven to be true, so yeah. like, I really do trust my instincts about people. Like, if I meet someone I feel really to. off, I'm just like, goodbye. See ya. <laughs> Can a toxic friendship be as bad as a toxic relationship? And what are the signs of a friendship becoming unhealthy? Mm-hmm. Very important. This is really important. Um. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> um, I have been in a couple toxic friendships that I almost had to have, like... Friendship breakups, just, like, romantic relationship breakups. You can have codependent um, types of relationships even with friends. And friends Uh can, like, demand things of you that aren't appropriate. Like, you can have all that fucked up shit from romantic relationships can basically take place within your friendships. You can also have friends who have really unhealthy lifestyles and you have to kinda remove yourself from that, even if you love them and love everything about them. Mm -hmm. Every situation's different and I can't assess situations I don't know. But I have had some friends who were just involved with stuff that I had to be like, I'm Mm -hmm. sorry, like I've gotta cut ties. And that's hard. Yeah. Um but yeah, you definitely can and I think that the way that you can check is how you feel. Do you feel drained? Do right. you feel like you're always rescuing them? Do you feel like you always give and you don't really receive that right. much? Are they like asking that? more from you than you're receiving from them? Or are you able to ask the same things of yes. them that they are able to ask of you? Yes. Um, and, you know, are you surrounding yourself by with people who elevate you? Yeah. That's another thing is I feel like we underestimate how much we are actually influenced by our Absolutely. friends. Absolutely. Because you can have very lofty goals, but if everyone around you is just kind of complacent, then you, it's much harder to mm-hmm. be on a course towards achievement. If and not that that has to be everyone's priority, but yeah. just as an example. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's 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 yeah, I, I don't know. You just got to check in with your friendships too, mm-hmm. for sure. Absolutely. Do you, as a model, do you oh. worry about aging? I mean, I don't do, like, agency modeling or, mm-hmm. like, anything that's, like, traditional. So, like, not really. Like, obviously, like, I don't think I'm going to be doing photo shoots when I'm, like, 85. Maybe. That would be sick, I mean, actually. That would be cool. Um. I love seeing more representation of older women as well. That's, that's Like, even thing. in fucking Target. Like, I mm-hmm. saw, like, a woman in her 60s in her underwear as that's an ad. That's actually really fucking And cool. I was like, I know that Target is a giant evil corporation, but also this makes me so happy like it made me so happy that's why i try to like not hide the fact that i'm 30 and i'm going to be 31 Mm -hmm. soon when i talk about stuff online because people basically think that like after you're 25 you die as a woman yeah (laughs) they Um, do but yeah i i don't really think that that because i don't i don't like i guess i can't say like the majority of like my life and income is based on modeling solely because it's so many different things Mm -hmm. but I don't know I don't really I don't think that that makes me feel weird like I think like if I had if something happened that was like sped up the aging in my face I think I'd be pretty bummed about it but if it bothered me that much I'd probably just get something done if I wanted to yeah I think there's a lot of (laughs) ways to deal with it if it's truly, like, an aesthetic thing that bothers you. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, It's asking to go into specific fetishes that you or your partners have had and how to do or handle them, um, kind of as a follow-up to our sex episode. So... I think this kind of sounds like how do you handle a fetish from your partner? Either how do you to have that discussion in the first place, or how do you handle it if maybe it's not your same yeah. cup of tea? Um, for me, mm-hmm. um, I think that I had to like almost like break up with some of my fetishes, yeah, because I realized where they came from. Yeah. Just because they can be really like. Fun. Mm-hmm. I felt like in the long run they were like psychologically damaging me more so having that conversation about like I don't want to do these things anymore and then also being like and because I don't want to do these things I'm not comfortable playing out these things like right. for your benefit right you know? yeah I think for me as lame as it might sound to say but it was like kind of a phase you mm-hmm. know like just, like, stuff to work through, and I think there were deeper reasons behind it, but it just sort of phased a lot of things out of my life, and I, I, I don't know, I don't, I think, I've had partners, that I guess, that had a couple things I was uncomfortable with, but I've always felt pretty comfortable yeah. in healthy relationships to be like, nah, but I don't know. I think you just have to have a lot of honesty with the person that mm-hmm. you're either sleeping with or dating. Yeah. Like, right off the bat about yeah. anything. Because you don't ever want to be, like, in the middle of... I mean, it can't happen, but in the middle of something and being like, uh, no. Actually, that's that's a big no. Actually, <laughs> no. No. <laughs> yeah. Okay, this, this person said, I know there was a sex episode already, but I feel like women who don't like to have sex or feel no need for sex should be talked about more. I definitely agree that that should be talked about more. However, I don't have that perspective. Um, So if anybody, you know, wants to give input on that, like I'm interested to hear it. But I personally uh, don't like know that perspective. However, I do know there's a lot of people who, who feel that way who are asexual or aromantic and, mm-hmm. um, aren't interested in those kinds of things. Um, and yeah, I think there's, there's a ton, ton of value. We kind of talk about this in the romanticism episode, mm-hmm. but there's so much value put on sex. Like it's so important. Yeah, It's really not like it can be amazing and it can be really important, mm-hmm. but it's, I think there's kind of a societal pressure and something that comes from romanticism directly to feel like Sex isn't necessary to have a really deep connection with somebody. And it's really not. Yeah. Um, I have friends who identify as asexual, and that's the closest I can come to understanding Mm -hmm. that. And I've asked them questions like, well, how do you feel in this scenario? What do you mean you don't feel this? Um I'm just trying to understand. And the most input I've ever gotten from them is that the way that, like, you and I in the past have talked about, like, like craving sexual energy and attention from someone is how many of my asexual friends feel about pure emotional intimacy. Mm. Um, and just not that they're necessarily opposed to sex but that it's not something that they're pushing in any yeah. way, shape, or form. Yeah, that's kind of what I've heard from people I've met, too. Yeah, and I can't understand because that's not me, but I definitely do think that there should be more talks about that. Absolutely. Because I think that we do live in a weird, hyper-sexualized world where sex is looked at as so important, and it's really not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, Yeah. Yeah, it's basically, they're saying, like, anxiety and fear of, being vulnerable, yeah. I think that's like what I'm reading. Um, I think that usually stems from yourself. Yes, like when you do like inner work on yourself and figure out like where that anxiety comes from. Maybe it's like a shame that you hold, you know, about yourself. Mm-hmm. When you work through that, you don't project it onto people around right. you and like and like convince yourself that people are thinking bad things about yeah. you because that's really what it is. It's projection, right? And when you have had a past experience where you've been mistreated and you've had your trust broken, mm-hmm. it is really hard to trust somebody again. Oh, yeah. And you shouldn't, you know, trust somebody before you're ready and you're allowed to take your time. Mm-hmm. Um, but just know that you are amazing and you know, you don't have to feel anxious um, just from interacting with people and and, and letting your self worth kind of take a hit because of the way someone else treated you. Like yeah. that's on them. Um, for me, I, I, used to have really, really bad social anxiety and the way I got over it was like, I don't know if this is the right way for everybody, <laughs> but like head on confrontation, yes. like I worked as a server to pay for college. Um, and then I went into the fitness industry where all you do is get vulnerable with people um and then uh I worked you know I worked at a bar I worked filming weddings where you're you know it's really high stakes I did a lot of really really social stuff but it was all through work so there was almost like a like a like a kind of a extra barrier an extra wall up where it wasn't necessarily like having to be personally close with people but still learning a lot of social skills and learning how to feel calm and collected under like social strain yeah (laughs) um so even though through work it taught me a lot of skills that helped me in my like interpersonal life uh like my private life as well yeah yeah for me like just meditating before I know I'm going to like social things Mm -hmm. helps me a lot because I do get really weird around like big groups of people especially if there's like a lot of men there because I just don't feel safe around men Mm -hmm. Um, so meditating before so that you can bring all your emotions down to like a a normal level. Yeah. And just breathe, like deep breathing is so helpful. It is. Like, it sounds weird because it's so simple, but it like, doing deep breathing for like 20 to 30 seconds before you go into any situation Mm -hmm. is, it's just, if you're like a completely different person. Yeah. Yeah. The Shining or Friday the 13th explain one and why? Um, younger me probably would have said Friday the 13th, because I loved, like, slasher movies when I was in high school, but now, probably The Shining. The Shining, 100% for me. Shining is really fucking cool and, like, psychological. That's what I love about it, is because it's not, like, some outside, like, weird thing. Yeah. It's literally your fucking family. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's stuff that's not really, too, but... I don't know. I think the terror in that is that it's the... Some of it is the familiar. It's very unsettling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, multi-layered. Like, there's a lot going on in it that you can't really understand, like, at first watch or Uh maybe even without reading the novel. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I don't... I also just don't like... Flasher killer movies I, don't, well, I don't like any kind of torture movies anymore I do if they're like really like almost cheesy because yeah cheesy's okay real. like when they're like serious I'm just like when yeah. I watch the Halloween movies because that's my favorite horror movie I it doesn't register in my head as like a lot of people are getting stabbed or anything like yes. that because it's so like not realistic to me yeah I don't know. And you talk about the negative stigma around dressing sexy for Halloween. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Dress how you want. Okay. <laughs> so, I feel like there's actually, God, my freaking, like, mummy wrap. I feel like we off. could actually answer this for, like, six hours because we've had a conversation about this for, like, six hours straight multiple times. <laughs> I think there's two parts, too. Mm-hmm. So, I think there's the part where... Women feel pressured to only dress in a, I'm saying this as my boobs are here, um, to dress in like a sexualized character. And women are objectified. Yeah. Yeah. But then there's the other side where women are criticized if they want to look like, revealing or sexy or whatever. Or if they feel empowered by that. And this is part of the the game is rigged. You don't win no matter where you stand because we live in a patriarchy. Yep. So I think that you just have to decide, like, for me, when I decide, like, for characters and stuff, I go, who do I want to be? And then I, I go, how do I want to present that? And I don't feel obligated to do it in a super feminine or sexually charged way. But I also feel like I don't have to do it in a completely covered type of way right. either. But, like, when I do costumes and stuff, there's no thought in my head of, like, how do I make my body look the best that it can look? And how do I be appealing to men? Because as we've talked about a million times, like, I don't give a fuck about what I'm <laughs> um, But if I want to, like, go out with my fucking, like, ass hanging out, like, I'm sorry. It's my ass. Like, right. Who's going to beat my ass? No one. No one. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think it's do what feels good to you. Um, obviously there's going to be people who will judge that and feel certain ways about that because our society is stupid. Yeah, our society's like uh, let's oversexualize women and then we're going to punish them when they like do it. Uh-huh. It's fucking stupid. Don't play the game. Don't. <laughs> ah. Advice on how to go vegetarian, vegan, when you don't have the option to buy your own food and have to just eat what's given and what's around. How? Um, okay, so this is a multiple part yeah. one. It's so part one. I am very lucky that my mom is a long-time vegetarian. She's vegan now. She's been vegan, like, almost as long as I have. So, like, uh, 10 years or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I was always raised with lots and lots of options. However, I think... Do the best that you can. I was a vegetarian for three years before I was vegan. And then when I finally went vegan, it was like overnight. But that was from being vegetarian. So it was still like... I still took baby steps. Um, And, you know, if you don't have control over that, then you can't be really hard on yourself about it. Try having those conversations, though, with the people in your household who are buying the food. You can come at it from different perspectives because there's lots of benefits to it other than... A ton. You know, sometimes unfortunately appealing to animal rights um doesn't work with everybody but appealing to personal health can actually help I feel like a lot that's the one that's usually the best yeah so it, you know if everybody's going to be healthier from making those choices then that's a lot more motivating then you know people unfortunately aren't always going to care about the the cows and <laughs> well I think that's what sucks is like um older generations I hate to be stereotypical but it's true they are not educated on proper nutrition because it's not taught to us and even if you go to doctors in the United States they don't receive any kind of education on That's nutrition. exactly right. They don't. So you and really don't shouldn't receive, be getting advice from your doctors. Right. They also don't receive education on how animals how similar animals are to us, uh-huh. you know? So they just they really are not working with the same knowledge base that you probably are. Mm-hmm. So that reminds me keep going try to find uh, you know something to to make it motivating for them even if it has to have selfish motivations for them and that can work also when you do have an opportunity maybe say like oh i want to cook once a week you know and see if you're able to cook for everybody and make some really dope recipes i'm going back because i just remembered i got another question from someone that i know who asked about this okay she said um, that she's unable to go vegan because she has anorexia and her doctors and parents won't let her because they have a stigma about people being vegan and not getting enough nutrition. The question is how to educate doctors and people in the eating disorder community that you can still get all the nutrition and be vegan. Okay, that's a great question. Um, we should put a link in the description. There's a really great YouTube channel called Mike the Vegan and it's M-I-C. Like, put a mic on the vegan, but his name is Mike. But he does like literally like anything you could ever think of. He has like a scientific video for um, explaining the health benefits. There's Um, so many health benefits. Yeah. Um, But unfortunately, this is something that does have a real stigma for a reason because a lot of people who are anorexic or orthorexic have kind of used veganism, which is already a restrictive diet Mm -hmm. to kind of mask that. Mm -hmm. Um, so it gave it a really bad name. Um, and plant foods, like if you're eating vegetables and fruits, those are naturally really low calories. So you have to eat in bigger volumes, but that's great because it can help you feel really full. Um, you know, it can help you feel sustained. Uh, so yeah, I mean, Talk to them and maybe try to show them some information that's actually, like, backed up by research and by studies so that it will make sense to them. Also, Google things like what I used to do for, like, gaining weight was i Google 1,000-calorie vegan gain shake. Yeah. Because there's tons of vegan bodybuilders out there that have to eat thousands and thousands and thousands of calories and they do it. So you could do 1,000-calorie vegan pizza Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. There's recipes, like, all over the internet. And then on top of that, like, if you want the quick, easy education breakdown, there are so many vegan documentaries on Netflix. Like, if you're trying to show your parents, just sit them down with Netflix and put on Forks Over Knives or What the Hell or Cowspiracy. Right. You know, all these things. Mm -hmm. They talk about... Uh, the nutrition involved and you can seriously do vegan just as calorie dense and unhealthy if you wanted to yep as you do a normal diet um I'm kind of like a vegan junk food person unfortunately <laughs> so like I know for a fact you can eat thousands and thousands and thousands of <laughs> calories of vegan food it's it may true. not be all <laughs> healthy <laughs> But you can. Right, right. And you can make it one of the healthiest possible diets yes. as well. Um, and that's cool, especially in 2019. There's You can eat all you across the, the spectrum food. of food. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Um, oh, and then also I guess my personal advice with the doctor thing is doctors are not nutritionists. They're not. So you shouldn't even be getting nutrition advice from a doctor. They're literally talking out of their ass. Mm-hmm. Oh, the second part. Oh, yeah. So, how to work on self-esteem, confidence, and comparing yourself to others body-wise and accomplishment-wise. This is hard. It is hard. Honestly, probably no- you cannot completely stop doing it. <laughs> um, but just know that you're comparing yourself to somebody else without... Especially online, you don't know anything about them. You don't know how long they've been working towards what they're doing. You don't know if they're lying and faking it. Like, yeah. you really don't know the whole story, so... Um, Try to focus on yourself. For me, again, um, I'm in the fitness industry. So there was a period of time where I followed, like, a ton of fitness accounts. And I had to really diminish that Mm -hmm. because it was making me feel horrible about myself. Yeah. Um, Without even knowing. Like, not looking at the photo being like, oh, this makes me feel bad. But just looking at it, the side effect, even though I wasn't consciously thinking it, Mm -hmm. was to feel worse about myself. So... Um, limit the content that you follow that makes you feel bad pay attention to your feelings when you're scrolling through your feed and if you notice a twinge of not feeling good or thinking like my stomach doesn't look like hers which is a big one for me you know like just be like uh that's actually not healthy for me um and start following accounts of what I did was follow accounts where it shows all kinds of body types. What was that? Sunday Sunday Morning View is a really good one. It's so good. It shows all kinds of women. They, like, repost stuff, um, but it's very curated of just body positivity. Also, like, the mute feature. Like, this is something I like to talk about. Yeah, if it's something you know in real life. (laughs) Use the mute feature, like... It doesn't even have to be that they're, like, a bad person because I think I've got, like, two-thirds of everyone I follow muted on all social media. I'm not joking. Yeah. And it's not because they're, like, bad people, but it's because they post stuff that I, you know, either don't agree with or it triggers me or, I don't know, I I think it's, like, dumb Uh or something. You know, there's, like, (laughs) different reasons. Like, if you, like, participate in certain things or, like, I don't know, maybe you hang out with toxic people. I don't want to see them. Right, yeah. Stuff like that. Uh, so the mute feature is good. And then building your own confidence, I really think, is, I don't know, I feel like taking a break off social media. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, I've, I've said that so many times, but, like, getting into, like, the real life and separating from the digital world What help you be grounded. Yeah, take time to focus on what truly matters to you and what you really want. Go back to our very first episode about quick fixes. Yes. We talk about that a lot. Yes. Um... But getting really, really, like, level with yourself and centered with yourself. I have, this is so nerdy, but I have, like, a master document of my goals for the year. (laughs) And I revisit it each month. And then I compare quarter by quarter Mm -hmm. how close I am. And I scratch things off. Like, I have, like, ultimate areas of focus. But then I have, like, small goals. And I'll, like, cross out and be like, that ended up not mattering to me, you know, because... If you don't measure your goals, then you can't really stay on track for them. So if you have, like, the concrete numbers in front of you at how close you are towards whatever your goal is, not that it has to literally be represented by numbers, but however it's measured, then seeing somebody else online who's already there and already accomplished it doesn't hurt as bad when you know you're on that path too. Yeah, and I think that's also important because, like, I think a lot of times, like, envy towards people comes from not working on yourself enough because... And just being kind of lost. Yeah, because, like, I used to be, like, really guilty of that where I would see people doing, like, similar things to, like, what I want to be doing but be way further along and I would feel immediate, like, anger towards them. Mm -hmm. And I had to unpack that. I'm like, okay, they obviously started this... Before I did, they have put the time in. They deserve to be where they're at. Right. Like it's a lot of times it's rationalizing and realizing like, okay, well, this tells me something about myself. This is something that's important to me. I'm going to create a structured yeah. goal so that I can stop feeling this way. Right, exactly. Yep. Gaia, are you still thinking about writing a book? Hmm. Um, I, this is like on my like giant list of like, I should probably do that. Um, So I want to. I want to (laughs) but I don't know if I actually will um I have a lot of hang-ups about it because like I kind of want to write like a book about my 20s but if I were to do that there's a lot of stuff in it that would be incriminating to other people yeah um so like I'd have to do so many like Identity changes huge undertaking of like a lot of people, and I also feel like even if I still did it that way, there's a chance that there could be, I don't know, potential danger to come my way. Like it's it's part of the reason why like I haven't come out about like my like me too story because I actually fear for my safety if I do. Yeah. So yeah, I want to write.
1: I'll write. I'm a little
0: scared, (laughs) Um, but I guess I could write about something else. That'd be cool. Write a mummy book. Yeah. How to be a mummy. Mummy memoir. How to be a glamorous mummy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What was your cringiest or embarrassing young emo goth moment? Oh my god. (sighs) There's so many. There's so many. Uh, Maybe just like age like 14 through 20. I, (laughs) Um, I can think of a specific picture of myself. Um, like I'm pretty sure I posed like this up against a truck. A truck? A truck that had the the letters S and M on the side. Oh <laughs> and my was, like, god. I a white photo. Do you still have it? I because... don't know. I need to fucking press it. I need to see that. I also used to like write on all my clothes like song lyrics. Like on yeah. all of my clothes. Like they, like I had like pants that were, had like huge letters written like, all the way down it like lyrics oh my god like that's pretty cringy and i would wear them like every day you're like these are the same? pants with the lyrics <laughs> that i have to have on my body um, i don't know i used to take photos of myself crying oh yeah I've seen some <laughs> like photos. i have a lot of photos from my teenage years where i'm wearing like, i'm having a breakdown photo shoot yeah Like, seriously, like, I have some of them still from my live journal, uh, where I used to wear, like, black liquid eyeliner and cry all the fucking time and just have my digital camera out just, like... I think my live journal is my cringiest emo goth moment. All you have to do is read it and never do that, please. Yeah, it's... Sometimes I go back and I'll, some of the I'll things I've it. written. We should do a live reading. Of I would be like crying from laughing. Because It's seriously so awful. Yeah. What's your favorite 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 vegan Halloween treat? I don't know. Um, I don't love sweets. I love gummies. That's my thing. This is my favorite. Yes. Are there like pumpkin sour patch kids? Because I would love. That. Um. I don't know. I just know that there's like those rope things, or like they look kind of like tongues or whatever I don't really know how to, how mm. to describe but sour gummies for me because now there are like vegan versions yeah. of, like everything I got some in Iceland that were sick I love they were gummies. like shaped like dinosaurs I was like I'm moving to Iceland today <laughs> yes oh that's cute I there's um every year I almost buy vegan Halloween like box of chocolates uh-huh. that's like really expensive and I haven't bought it yet but I feel like I will one yeah, day you will soon. so yeah yeah um I'm trying to think of other like Halloween stuff like oh my god this is like irritating my neck well I really like like pumpkin pie I wish I I liked pumpkin pie like I like cider I like Um, apple pie I love apple pie um you know what? I guess I don't like that much stuff because I don't like pumpkin spice flavoring. I don't like pumpkin spice flavored, like, lattes or anything. No, I think they're sour and weird. I think it's just burnt and gross. I just don't oh know. Um, it's not is, for me. Are chai drinks considered, like, a fall Halloween thing? I could see that. I'm obsessed, obsessed yeah. with chai lattes. Yeah. Oh, I like pumpkin seeds. Oh, yeah. Pumpkin seeds are super fucking good. So someone wrote us and they were saying that they experienced something called, like, friendship burnout. um, Saying that they get super overwhelmed with maintaining relationships with friends because they're a stay-at-home mom. um, And they don't have the mental energy to keep up with everyone's lives And to carry them extra mental baggage. Mm. uh, And that their friends often make remarks about how they're bad at making plans and texting and asking. They're basically just inquiring about, is friendship burnout a thing? How can I maintain friendships without feeling heavy and clouded by their drama? Yes, it's a thing. It's very much a thing. And it's usually a thing if you're not friends with people that are, like, on your level. People should have therapists and then they won't need you all the time. Yeah, like, I think, like what's so great about when you have a healthy um like friendship social circle is that your friendships are actually about your friendships and right. not playing therapist for each other. Yes. My most long-term and closest friendships with each of these people, I've gone like months without like physically being able to hang out. Like I'm I I've, I've gone periods where I wasn't even good at like keeping in touch with some of my friends, but now I'm much better at that, but um no, like, the the physical demand to, like, be present in the same space together, like... And to hear someone's, like, weekly dump of problems. Right, for it always to be, like, um, like, venting all the time, stuff like that. Um, I think that, for me, has got improved as I've gotten older, and I have been able to, like, meet more people who have their own, like, life and priorities and stuff, mm-hmm. but, um... I don't know. It sounds like you're a stable mom. You have your hands so full already. Like, it sounds like, you know, your friends need to be respecting your boundaries more. Um, That's the thing is I don't think we're taught boundaries within friendships. And, like, that whole, like, mental dumping thing on people, that's a result of people thinking that your friends are supposed to be your therapist. Yeah, absolutely. Um, We use our friends as therapists, um, you know, and... I didn't learn how not to do that until I got a therapist. Me too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then once you learn, you just start, you start seeing it so much in other people where you're like, oh God, please well, just get a therapist. And you realize how much more effective having the exact same conversation with your therapist is versus having it with your friend because your friend Loves you, and they're going to indulge you, and they're going to be like, oh, no, he didn't. Whereas your therapist is going to be like, well, why? You know, they're going to help ask the right questions. Yes. Whereas your friend, even having the best intentions, isn't going to sit there and ask the right questions. Because they don't have a decade of training on how to do that. Yeah, like your friends are not professionals with advice. Right. So it's kind of pointless to, like, fall on them over and over again. Yep. Um, So, yes, friendship burnout is a thing if your, fr- if your friends are demanding too much from you. Absolutely. And I know there's no nice way to say, you, I think you should probably get a therapist. <clears throat> I've been in that position before. It's really awkward to say. But I also feel like, you know, when you really care about someone, you are truthful with them. Right. You know? Yep. Um, Sorry you're going through that. Yeah. <laughs> I know. That's we tough. all know <laughs> how that is. I get told I'm pretty a lot, but I don't feel it. And I don't believe it. Do you guys have any tips on how to feel pretty and how to believe it when someone tells you you are? How do you be confident? That's tough. Mm -hmm. Um, I definitely have ups and downs with that, for sure. sure. Um, But I think Mm -hmm. most of the time, I feel like putting less weight on my appearance Yes, I think that's like number one. Yeah. So knowing like learn like finding out just from other people's comments like you're conventionally attractive like I don't know that's like cool cool like (laughs) what does that mean Mm -hmm. I think like for me it's like I I don't know I think because I started doing photo shoots Mm -hmm. and when you do photo shoots everything is about how you look and it's to create this like professional like end result right then you post it and then everyone tells you like wow you look great and stuff like that I think because I did that so much, I got to a point where I was like, I know that I can look really great. Mm -hmm. I know that. But what value does that hold to me? Yeah. And especially when you are a woman and you get told by men all the time, stuff like that, or you get hit on or catcalled, it kind of starts devaluing where you put pretty, beautiful, hot Mm -hmm. on, like, I don't know, where it is in your life. Like, for me, when I go out, and, like, a guy's, like, hey, you look hot, I don't feel good hearing that. Right. I feel annoyed. Yeah, I (laughs) would let feeling pretty come from where you want it to. So, like, for me, it's, like, uh, sticking with my skincare routine consistently or, like, spending time out in the sunshine or um, remembering not to be mean to myself, you know, and remembering to be really really kind to myself cuz i'm the only self i ever get you know um sleep yeah sleep mm-hmm. um but i think you know find out like if wearing makeup makes you feel pretty then that's awesome you know if the clothes you wear make you feel pretty then that's awesome but it doesn't like have to be so like it doesn't have to be so valuable i guess that's that's i think where it comes from is like I think we need to take the value off of physical appearance. Yeah. But I also think it's cool to feel really good about the yeah. way that you look. Yeah. You are pretty. Oh. Oof. That's hard. Okay. okay. Someone asked, how do you get back up after hitting rock bottom without self-power? I I guess that comes down to getting help. Yeah. I, I think um, sometimes you, you really need help, um, and especially if it's uh what sounds like a mental health issue where that power can't be found within yourself then um it's totally okay to rely on the people around you yeah um get help from them if possible get help from professionals mm-hmm. um and don't feel guilty about needing help it's yeah i mean i've i've been there a few different points yeah. in my life where i was like i literally can't like just rely on myself to function yeah and that's where it's like you know your friends and family and therapists and stuff come into play and that does not mean anything's wrong with you unfortunately we live in a culture that um we don't have enough mental health awareness um we don't have even like a almost a lot of people don't have a basic understanding of mental health even things just like depression you know like People don't understand how much that affects you physically, Mm -hmm. how much it drains your motivation, stuff like that. So knowing that, you know, unfortunately we kind of exist in a place that isn't kind to us when we're having struggles with our mental health, don't be harder on yourself. If you're really struggling and you, and you need some help getting back on your feet. yes, yeah, It's basically asking for help at any capacity that you can. Yeah. There's online resources too. Mm-hmm. Like I would just say hit it all. If your friends, yes. family, yep. therapist, there's online counseling, there's support groups. Like there's so much like. There really are resources, and I know it sucks having to put yourself out there and ask for it, but that's literally like the building blocks to getting you back up. Yep. Oh, cool. Um, favorite part of Halloween? Um, I love dressing up. I don't know, I never do that, but
1: Halloween to <laughs> me
0: is about the creativity. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like, I love the like spooky vibes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like it because I feel like you know we live in such like a a society that's so ruled by religion and... You know, it's uptight. Just stupid shit. And mm-hmm. I feel like Halloween is, like, the one time where that stuff doesn't fucking totally. matter, universally. And it's really cool that we have something... I'm actually shocked that uh-huh. we have something like Halloween. Well, it's cool that there's, like, mischief and, like, mm-hmm. mystery about it and it's, like, a nighttime-focused holiday and, yeah, you know, it's not about some, like greater phony purpose of, like, yeah, be good and Santa will reward you. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I I think it's, it's cool because I just feel like it's creative. Like, any kind of way that you look at it, it's creative. It's different. Yes. It's so outside of the box. Yeah, I love it. How do you feel better when you feel depressed and lonely all the time? I feel like that's kind of, like, the one that we just answered. Like, if you're feeling like that pretty consistently mm-hmm. or all the time that's when, like, going to a therapist, that's the time. There's therapy, you know, there's there's uh, drugs that can help you depending on your situation mm-hmm. and what you think works for you. You know, there's nothing wrong with needing um, antidepressants. Yeah. Just, like, there's nothing wrong with needing a therapist. There's nothing wrong with... Um, I struggled pretty bad with depression, um, especially when... For about a year straight of my life, I was working really early morning. So I'd wake up at 3 in the morning every day. And then I would come home, take a nap, and then wake up at about 7 p.m. And be awake again until about 9. And, um, like, just depending on <laughs> what was going on in my day. But it just meant I didn't see a lot of sunlight. That'll fuck you up. I had to buy a UV light <laughs> that was like a light therapy um, to help me kind of manage during that time because it it wore on me and made me really, really sad. So there's all kinds of different therapies, like therapy, therapy, therapy. And even within therapy, there's different types of therapy you can do. And then there's psychiatrists who, if you are struggling to a point where you do need, um, an intervention or with, um, if you need to be on SSRIs or something like that, you can be. And working out can actually help a lot with Working um, out. Uh, but sometimes yeah. you get so depressed that you can't do that. And that's where it's like, if you're getting to a point where you can't function, that's the that's the point when you go to a right. therapist. Yeah, I would definitely say um, working out, even if it's just um, taking a 30-minute walk, like the a minimum amount of exercise you need in order to help regulate moods and, and experience all the benefits of working out, 30-minute walk a day, that's all you need. Yeah. You don't have to like go hard, do something crazy, sweaty, intense. You don't have to do anything in front of other people. Just going for a walk is so good for you. That and like a lot of our um, like chemicals that help us with like depression and mood are affected by our gut health. Yep. So what you're eating really, really actually matters. So like eating lots more fruits and vegetables. Yep. That's what's going to promote like a healthier like chemical balance in your brain too. Yes. Yeah. And just know that um, we were talking about this earlier. Actually, like I have experienced a lot of joy in my life. I'm I'm content with my life, but I'm not. My default is not to be happy. I'm so happy that we're talking about not being happy. Yeah, like <laughs> I I don't just settle into a baseline of being like mm, happy. It's, I don't think I that's. Don't, I don't think that that's actually. Like, we've read, okay, in Sapiens, like, all the different books that we've read. Right. Humans are not actually designed to be happy. Right. So, all this, um, kind of pressure to be, like, think positive, be happy, you know, gratitude, super important. Yes. Happiness, or or manifesting happiness, important. Manifesting what you want to achieve in life, power positivity, all that, important. But, I think a little misguided, because... That's just... Okay, best example you gave earlier in the car when we were talking about this. Dogs are happy all the time. Yeah. Dogs are very, very different than human beings. Like the fact that we're so self-aware that we analyze everything, that we know about like our existence and stuff like that, it makes us very different. And we're not actually designed to be just default happy. Unfortunately, we're designed to be dissatisfied. It's true. Like yeah, uh, like we both have read this book, *Sapiens*, and it talks about. this <sighs> it, it. I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot to take in. It's so good. I would. I, everyone should read *Sapiens*. Yes. so good. But um, in great detail, it describes why we. Can't why we feel very very unhappy with like complacency, mm-hmm. or, but why we also are not satisfied at all ever. And when we achieve the thing that we think will give us satisfaction, it's like it's so temporary, right? And then we're right back to being like, I feel like I need something to be happy because we're not supposed that's, to just be happy. That's our chemistry. That's I think we're striving to be like content-ish. Yeah, it's like that's <laughs> what I do because like. I have very few times in my life where I can be like, I'm fucking happy. No. I because guess... a lot of times mm-hmm. we think that, we don't even know what happiness is. Like, people think that being excited and overjoyed is what happiness is. And they're like, that's what I'm going for. But, but people, that's actually excited and overjoyed. There's <laughs> a short-lived emotion right. that you can't just live in unless you're high on drugs. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, so I think understanding that, so then you can read through, like, kind of like, when you see all the shit online, yeah. the people are like, oh, just be positive and blah, 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 like, all the fucking time. Those people are living in denial because yeah. no one is actually just positive and happy all the time. Like, we need to be realistic about what being human is like. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly right. So I think putting too much emphasis on happiness is, uh, like I said, really misguided. Yes. Yeah. Um, oh, flight anxiety? How to get over flight anxiety, having a panic attack. This is another one that kind of goes back to what I said earlier where yeah. when I first started flying it didn't scare me and now it scares me. Really? I'm I'm the opposite. Oh, when we were flying my most recent like overseas trip I did, when we were flying over Greenland and I was just looking down at all this ice, I was like we're crashing here. Oh my god, this is where we die. Like I was so sure and then the um pilot came over the intercom and said we have a situation here and i was like just waiting for the flames oh to, like rush the flame, like a movie like i was and i was just looking down like this is where we go down right here into the ice i don't know why i was just having so man. much spiraling anxiety about it um but i never used to but again i think i'm just like more afraid of dying you now <laughs> man i'm the complete opposite like when i was a kid and i used to fly up to connecticut like every summer or winter i don't fucking remember it. but um, um I used to have panic attacks that were so gnarly on the plane that I would have to be medicated. Really? And I was like six years old. Oh my god! Here I know what you're trying to. Oh, do. Trying I feel it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it would bother me so much. I would be hyperventilating. My mom had to give me these like special like anxiety stuffed animals, oh my and like gosh. it was horrible every single time. And then it stopped. Around the time I was 22 or 23. Yeah. I honestly don't know what happened. I went from every single flight thinking that I was going to die to just being like... I just don't fucking care anymore. <laughs> and that's how I am now because I've flown so many times. Yeah. I think that if I was like that, I don't think I could get through it. I think the the only, the when it's worse for me, for no reason, is just when I'm over like a body of water. With, I don't like, look. around. It helps to not look. Yeah, I don't look. When I first started flying, I loved looking out the window. I thought it was so cool. Now, I don't want to see it. I don't want to see the wing. Yep. I don't want to see anything. I keep the windows closed. I don't look at anything and I think that that helps. I do do a weird superstitious thing too where I... I always touch the outside of the plane every time I get really? on Really? Yeah, because I'm like, I touched it. I was like, thank you, plane. Don't crash me into the ground to a fiery death. Yes, and please. That don't. helps me feel a little more at ease with it too, even though it's like a dumb, superstitious thing. I should feel better then. Um, also, just like sleep. I try to sleep on every single flight, and then that helps me get through it too. How do you make friends when you work for yourself and work from home? I'm a licensed esthetician and massage oh. therapist. I can't answer that because I literally <laughs> work with hundreds of people every day. Yeah. Um, well, I I don't know. Like all of my friends have, all of my friends that I have have literally been in my life for so long. Yeah. That like I've never felt like a recent like burning. Like I would really you know need to go make more friends. I know there's like meetup groups you can do. Yeah. So like I went to a vegan meetup group once That's in Atlanta, cool. and it was fun. Um, I know you can do stuff like that. It's almost like um like dating group things, yeah. but instead of dating, it's just like to meet new people. Yeah. There's some um, sorts of meetup groups, book so you can clubs find them through social media. I met some amazing people volunteering at Farm Sanctuary. That was mm-hmm. really cool. Um, and they they told me like, oh, we meet on this day, this day, da da da. We have a book club, all this stuff. So. You could instantly tap into that. Also, um, join a gym that has group fitness. Um, You can meet people there. And those people who are dedicated to their fitness are probably, you know, awesome people to surround yourself with. Mm -hmm. Um, So many people that I know now, again, I know from work. um, But there's a lot of gyms that offer classes or there's gyms that are entirely group fitness. Um, You can meet people there. Uh, yeah, so I think kind of getting a hobby that's kind of yes. like a group hobby is a good way to meet people. I think when you identify like what your interests are and what's important to you, then you go to those places to like, yeah. know, like partake in those interests. Then you're always going to be surrounded by people that have the same interests as yep. you. Like I like going to crystal shops Mm-hmm. And every time I go there, I'm talking to awesome people that are super into spirituality and crystals and yeah. stuff like that. So it's really just being like, what it, what's important to me? What are my interests? Participating in those and then finding people there. Yep. yep. That's my best advice. Agreed. Best way to go about calling someone out on their bigotry. Punch them in the face. <laughs> I think that if it's someone um, that you know, like you actually know, not just a stranger on the internet, you <clears> talk <throat> to them in private. Yeah, I think so. I, I, There's there's something... I'm sure we'll talk about this in a future episode, but there's something I really dislike about cancel culture. It's because it comes from, like, a I've never make mistakes ever, I'm going to publicly call you out to ruin you thing. Right. Like, that's really fucking stupid and warped. Right. I mean, um, if they're, like... Really crossing a line, yeah. Then and they need to be in, like, you need to intervene, yeah. That's one thing, but but you know. I think like most things can be discussed in private, mm-hmm. um, and that's a really hard conversation to have, and that's why I also think it should be done in private, yeah. Um, yeah, and just make sure that you're safe in doing so. Because yes. if it's somebody exhibiting bigoted behavior, then maybe they are uh, a real asshole. So just be careful. Okay, so someone said, how do you deal with controlling parents and setting healthy boundaries with them? I've read about it. Yeah. Um, setting boundaries with any family member is going to be difficult. You're going to get the pushback. You're going to get the guilt trip. Because mm-hmm. you're changing the dynamic of your family structure right. when you do that. And especially with your parents, they have, like, a weird sense of entitlement to your life and, you know, all sorts of bullshit attached yeah. to it. Um I think it's to really clearly know what your boundaries are because when you state them, you are going to get the pushback from them. Mm-hmm. But then you have to stick to it. Yep. And they will eventually get over it. And if they don't, then I don't know. Like, that's when you have to make the call of, like... Is my mental health more important to me than having these people in my life? Right. Like, it does suck. There's no, like, oh no. What? Okay, sorry, I thought my nipple was <laughs> There's no, like, super quick solution to this. Every approach you take is going to be really difficult. Yep. But when it's important to you in, like, maintaining your mental health, you just have to go through it. You have to. Yeah. I think that's exactly right. If you could be any characters from any movie, history, or book, who would you be and why? Oh my gosh. Um Cleopatra. Done. <laughs> Done! <laughs> Everyone knows that already. I don't I don't think there I definitely wouldn't want to be someone from history probably because I feel like history is worse than today. At least most of I don't life. know. They might look back at today in the future and be- I like, would be like a fucking dinosaur because it'd be cool. <laughs> I think, like, I feel like I would love to be an assassin or a succubus. Yes. If it's supernatural creatures, I would definitely be, like, a like a succubus would be really cool. Or, like, um, fucking around in Greek mythology would be oh, cool. Oh, yeah. Fucking okay. around. Fucking around. Yes. Um, I always have a hard time with, like, if you could trade lives with people because I just, all of that kind of makes me feel really weird really mm-hmm. like i don't uh, you know i i think i think me too i think the only person i ever want to is cleopatra yeah <laughs> yeah that makes sense i yeah nobody this is such an important question so let me how do i open it i think that's the whole thing oh okay if i eat something kind of off is it normal to smell a little weird or a little off down there like garlic or pasta and stuff Yes, this is completely normal. Vaginas smell like vaginas. <laughs> this is so important to talk about because so many so people weird. think that your vagina is supposed to smell like nothing. Or it just water, smell like nothing or, or flowers, flowers, flowers or, or minty. And yeah. Like all sorts of fucking weird shit. No, it's vaginas like a vagina. Like a vagina yeah. yeah. It's an opening to your fucking body. Like, yeah. Why would that smell like flowers? uh uh-uh. Is it flowers? Not. Nah. It's a fucking vagina. That's what it smells like. And it smells different at different times. We need to normalize vaginas not always smelling great because (laughs) things happen. Like, the pH changes at your fucking vagina. You eat a bunch of garlic, and yes, that does directly affect how it smells. Yes, it does. Like, your boyfriend's stuff can change your pH and make your vagina smell completely different. Exactly. Like, everything can change it and make it smell different. Exactly. Um, So lots of varying smells during your cycle, depending on what you've eaten, depending on hormones, stress, all normal. Yes. If it smells like foul and kind of sick and you know, we will know what that feels like, go to the doctor. Yeah. That just means your pH is off or you have some bacteria and then you take care of it. Like it's literally no different than any other part of your body. It gets off. It gets a little weird. You just take care of it. Yeah, exactly. I feel like there's lipstick on my teeth. It's a body. There's not. Okay. Perfect. So don't freak out. Eat garlic. Let your vagina get weird from it. It's your fucking vagina. Let your vagina live. How do you show that you're not the same toxic person you used to be because people still see you as that same person? I would say ask yourself if you have like outgrown those people or are they the people that you, like, want forgiveness from. Yeah, because it's usually one of those two scenarios. Right, yeah. So if you've outgrown them, I honestly wouldn't worry too much about what they think um, about you anymore. If, if these are people who are really important to you, who you want to earn forgiveness from, unfortunately, like, you are not in control of that situation, and they can take their time with it, and no, they're not required to forgive you. Um, but all you can do is just kind of, like, be be the better person that you've grown to be and just stay true to that and I mean people I hope can be forgiving and come around again like we're kind of in cancel culture right now yeah um which is shitty um I don't know what would you add um I just also think like you know some people do have really dark pasts where they've done really you know unfortunately bad things and if you've done something that you know people can't come back from I would just say don't try to come back from it with those people. Right. Just accept it for what it was, a really dark thing that people aren't gonna get past. Right. And move on to a new social group. Absolutely. Like, that's, what else can you do? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm people's bad person, for sure. I'm people's bad person, I'm sure. But yeah. you know, like Everyone is someone's bad person. Exactly. At some point. Like literally every single person. Yeah. And that's something that I think is so important is like when you see people on their fucking high horse, you know, ranting about toxic people and then and stuff yeah. like that. <laughs> like everyone is someone's toxic person. Yes. You have been toxic to people just like the people that you're shitting on. So. Yes. That's exactly right. Uh, why do some girls have fear of tampons. I have friends who are and I don't understand why. Tampons are actually really they scary are for your scary. Vagina. Yeah. Um, a lot of tampons are bleached, have chemicals in them. People have found like mold in them. Pretty much all the ones you can buy in the grocery store like besides Whole Foods are not things that you should be putting in your vagina. Right. Um, they can cause toxic shock syndrome, which you can die from. Yeah. Um, the, like, the cottony fibers can dislodge from the tampon into your walls and start rotting. Yeah. Um, I stopped using tampons, I don't know, like, two, two years ago. I either just, I either do pads or I tried, like, the cup. hmm Um. I use a menstrual cup. Sometimes I use a disc, um, which is, like, kind of a disposable version of yeah. a cup. Um, and I, yeah, I stopped using tampons in 2012 and I, my periods have been such a better experience than they used to be. It's still painful, but tampons hurt me. Um, they were really inconvenient. I felt like they were disgusting because it like... I didn't like having like the gross string coming out. And like like, towards the end of your period, if you're pulling one out and you're like not very like heavy with your flow, you can like leave little lacerations around your vagina. Uh huh. Yeah. So fuck tampons. Fuck them. They're Um, not good. Yeah, and a lot of people are like, I've been asked before, like, how are you comfortable using pads? Because people think pads are gross. I don't give a fuck what people think. I I don't think pads are gross. I don't think period blood is gross. Mm -mm. The thing that felt gross about tampons to me was like, um, like it made me feel really uncomfortable and like unhealthy. You know? Really? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, d- I would just say don't use tampons. Don't if you have a choice. What are you going to be this year for Halloween? Uh, I don't know. I mean no idea. Not sure. I'll think on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't well we kind of already have done Halloween. I've been doing like Halloween shoots like forever. So, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um are fan base is so scary. Um, obsessive people are scary (laughs) I really especially in the music community I could talk about this for the rest of my life Uh Um, I think that fan bases can get so unhealthy because it's a group of people that are placing way too much of their lives around other people that they don't even know like your interests like what you find acceptable belief wise how you want to look you're like letting all these things that are supposed to be your identity that you develop on your own you're putting it on like someone or another group, and it keeps you in this weird bubble. Yes. Like a belief bubble. Yep. Yeah. And so, like, then there's like fighting within the belief bubble. And I don't know. I just think it comes down to not having enough going on in your own life. Yeah. And that's why fans get that's what I think hyper fans are. They're, you know, and I've been a hyper fan when I was younger, but um, it's not having enough going on in your own life. Well, it's putting so much of a, your identity into something else yeah. as well. And then letting that be so tied to your identity that anything that challenges that feels really threatening. And, uh, you're like angry at it. Yeah. Like be a fan. I'm a fan of a lot of things. Like I'm a huge Muse fan, but like, I don't sit on like Muse fan, like communities yeah. and other posts and like Try to, like, tell stories about the artists and stalk them online and try to get them to answer me in a tweet and, like, make everything about the musicians. Nah. Like, that's... Why would I do that? My life's about me, not, like, yeah. obsessing over people that literally don't know anything about me. Yeah. So, I don't yep. know. That's that's my best take on it. When is it a time to plan for the apocalypse? That's the last one. Um, I mean climate change is real and we yeah. are all gonna die so start planning whenever. <laughs> start planning like 15 years ago. 15 years ago is when we should have started planning. Um, we've known about climate change for a very long time. Yeah <laughs> and, a very long time. Uh, we didn't do anything about it so it's really disappointing. Uh, great job human race. Good um, job. Real cool. Um, I Well the number one thing you can do to combat climate change as a human being is to adopt a vegan lifestyle. And yeah that's actually a fact. Yeah um, and agriculture is like what fifty-one percent of greenhouse gases. It's a lot. Um, obviously, there's there's stuff that's really challenging. Like there's huge corporations that are like the major players who are not going to bend and are they, they do not have the planet's best interest in mind or anyone's best interest in mind, but their own and uh, growing their already vast wealth. It's hard to make a dent in that. So what what you can do as a personal choice, make that choice for your diet as as often as possible. If you can commit to it full time, that's amazing. Literally the best thing you could do for the planet. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's all kinds of ways to offset your carbon footprint, um, or just reduce your carbon footprint. Pay attention to your carbon footprint. Find out what it is. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, lead by example I find is the best way to kind of have a, a circle of influence um anyone who has become vegan because of me is not because I like preached it to them it's because like I ate great food in front of them you know <laughs> and you know what I think is really cool is they say that like for every person that goes vegan that three people follow well, my count's up to like and this is people I know directly, so if anyone on the internet has done it, mm-hmm. it, doesn't mean that it's way higher. Yeah. 14 people. Yeah. And if those 14 people had 3 to 10 people, like, this is how veganism went from 2 to 6% over It's like a pyramid scheme, but good. <laughs> yeah, like, a couple years back, veganism was 2% of the population, and less than 2 years later, it became 6%. Yeah. That's massive. It's huge. It's huge. Um, so, that's really cool. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I... I I know that wasn't necessarily, like, a serious question, but, like, we are planning (laughs) for the apocalypse. Like, it's happening We should all be planning for it. It's very real and very much coming, especially if you're young. I'm fucking sorry. Yeah. Really sorry. Well, that concludes our Halloween slash question episode. We hope you guys liked it. We put about, like, I don't know, like, ten hours into this today. Yes. Yeah. Uh, So, let us know what you think. Um, We... We'll most likely do some periodic Q&A episodes. Mm -hmm. Uh, This was really fun. Uh, It's great to hear from you guys. Yes, thank you so Um, much. Yeah, thanks to everybody who submitted questions. um, And thanks always for your feedback. Um, So... Definitely um, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Um, you can also find us on any podcast player um, if you prefer to listen to the audio versions of the episodes. Spotify, Spotify iTunes. Um, I use Pocket Cast. Like, there's a bunch of different options. Um, yeah, so we made it to ten episodes. Holy fuck, and we remembered what episode it was Hell from, yeah. from the beginning of filming it. That's, That's sick. It. I feel so accomplished. I'm ready to be a mummy for the rest of my life. I am this witch. <laughs> this witch. This witch. Yes. From now on. All right, thanks. thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.